me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. The sweet aromas of the apple fritter, cinnamon roll, and blueberry muffin are hard to resist. So making it the rest of the way home without reaching in your McDonald's bag is no easy task. But nothing worth doing is easy. Wake up and pair any one of these sweet, fluffy, frittery bakery treats with a McCafe iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Provan. Well, hello, Simon Provan. How are you, sir? Baxter, I'm doing awesome. It's so great to be back in the studio with you, with our relaunch. How about yourself? I'm doing well. I'm a little tired, but, you know, it comes with the territory, I guess. I'm excited to be back as well. It's been such a long time, and we are excited to be back with you, the listeners, as Two Up Front is back on the field, as it were, and running at full strength again. So... Simon, we've had a lot of off-season moves, a lot of transactions, some players leaving, some new ones joining the team. Can you kind of give us a little bit of an update of what the heck's been going on so that way our listeners can stay up to speed? Absolutely. Well, we had an unforeseen break in that you ended up getting an awesome new job. Yes, thank you. Full-time media guy. Yes, sir. Over thank at you, a you. local station here in Milwaukee. Um, I had the awesome privilege of getting booked with a lot of voiceover That's work. True, you a did. lot of commercial work. Um, So we've been busy in other realms of our lives, and we thought, you know what? Let's take this opportunity of Mm -hmm. downtime with two up front and try to revamp the show a little bit, make it a a bit more exciting, uh, bring in some new guests that we haven't had on, and actually try to uh, bring in some more nationally known guests, Mm -hmm. um, along with continuing the local flavor that we have to the show with Milwaukee. So that's not to disparage any of our local guests because we will have them on, and we're excited to get them back on as well. Exactly, yes. As you know, in the past, we've had uh, different coaches and players and other personalities from the local area. But as Simon mentioned, uh, either today and some upcoming shows, we've got some... uh, so a few names you may have heard of, but we'll, we'll get to those a little bit later on in the show. But we do want to take a moment to remind all of you that you can listen to us on Sports Radio America on Fridays from 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time and on TuneIn as well. You can download the app or go to TuneIn.com and search for Sports Radio America there. And you can also listen to to Upfront On Demand on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and on Spreaker.com as well. Yeah, we're also on Facebook, of course. We are still there. Uh Two up front on Twitter at Two Up Front Soccer, um, and that's that's one of the other things I wanted to mention is yes. we are we are really striving to be more active on social media, mm-hmm. striving to be more active, especially on Twitter. We know we've been a bit lazy with that, but that's all part of what we talked about with this relaunch. And exactly, I will say I think one of the more exciting things that we have going on is we finally have. A website. Yes, we do. Woo! It's exciting. It's very exciting. So um, if if you have the opportunity, we'd love to you, for you to check out our website. It's got a little bit of a, uh, a crazy name for the time being, but it is twoupfrontsoccer.wix.com backslash twoupfrontsoccer. 
Soccer. Yes, indeed. So, if so you, it's kind of like as long MLS, as you know the show name, you'll be there. Yes, it's kind of like MLSsoccer.com. Really, that's that. Major League Soccer Soccer.com. Hey, you just got to drive the point <laughs> that it is soccer. You know, it's not the MLS like real estate listing house service. You that's know? Right. I've done that before. I, when I in my early days, I was like, what, you know, MLS, and I'm like, real estate. I'm like, that's not what it is. I'm looking for <laughs> soccer. So yes, you can go uh, to upfrontsoccer.wix.com/slash to upfrontsoccer. You can find out information about upcoming shows that we have. If you want to know a little bit more about Simon and I, if you want to check out some of our past shows, uh, we'll have some merchandise going up in hopefully the next couple of weeks as well with some shirts and jackets and everything else. If you ever want to be a sponsor of the show as well, that's a great way to get in contact with us. And if you just want to let us know your opinion about anything in general about the show or you just love talking soccer, you can contact us as yeah, well. Yeah, we make it real easy on our contact page. Right there is already a preloaded uh, email that you can go on and, and fill out your information. Mm-hmm. We promise you... We're not selling your information to anybody. We we're are, selling we're, it. <laughs> Lots of people. Hundreds of thousands of people. The main reason we, we have this is so you can talk to us. Let us know what you'd love to hear on the show. Any guests that you'd like to come on. If you'd like to come on yourself, hey, hey. let us know that as well. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, as, as Baxter mentioned, we're, we're looking to get some merchandise out there. And I will say, I've been in contact with a few people about sponsorships. Mm-hmm. We're not, Baxter and I really, we're not doing this. Ultimately, for the money. No, not at all. The reason we're looking for sponsorships is we want people out there that believe, first of all, in the game of soccer. Yes. And we want people to jump in on this to uh, to help us spread the word of soccer and show that you're behind that. But also, we do want to grow to up front. We mm. want to get it to a point where we get more people listening in. We've got a larger footprint, uh, really, around the country is what we're hoping for. And exactly. the only way that can happen is is getting some sponsors. And the great part about it, too, was uh, we found out while we were on a bit of a hiatus that people actually do enjoy listening to us because we would have people reach out to both of us, either you know in person or on social media, saying, hey, when's the show coming back? Or, hey, I mean, thank you to all of you people, too, that were still active on our Facebook pages, answering some of the questions that we had, or even just sending us your thoughts and comments about anything that was going on in the soccer world. We love that. We encourage that. So please keep doing that. We might not be the fastest at responding at times, so please bear with us. But we do see your messages, and we do enjoy reading them as well because we like to know that there are other people that enjoy listening to and love the soccer world just as much as we do. Yeah, we have a a particular um, participant on our Facebook page, you could say. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just let you know his first name is Ray. Ray, we love hearing from you. Absolutely. We we love hearing your your in-depth knowledge about Liga MX, your opinions, your very strong opinions, which is great. That's why we're called Two Up Front because we have our strong opinions ourselves. Uh, So people like Raymond reaching out and, and letting us know his opinions helps us a great deal, and it helps you because you'll hear a different perspective as well. In fact, we should get we should get Ray on the show. I would love that. Very yeah, soon. get that. We don't have a too big of a Liga MX flair on right. the show, so it would be As, nice to Especially to with see. CONCACAF Champion League exactly. going on right now, yep. well, which we'll talk a little bit later in the show, too. Absolutely, yeah. As Simon mentioned, we've got a lot of new things we're going to be trying to do here on the show. Um, one of the new things we're going to get to a little bit later in the show as well is focusing a little bit more on the NWSL and the U.S. Women's National Team as well. Um, obviously, during the World Cup time, we tried to focus more on what the women were doing, but we want to realize, and we want other people to realize as they listen to the show, that we are not just MLS-centered. We are American-soccer-centered, and anything that happens in the great U.S. of A., we want to talk about it. And Absolutely. the NWSL is a booming, budding league with the world's best women's soccer players, and the U.S. women's national team continues to do incredible things as well on the international level. So it'd be, it'd be sad if we didn't talk about it. I them. agree, and, and that we readily admit that we're guilty of not focusing Absolutely. enough on the NWSL. So, Baxter, what are we doing to make sure that we do speak about the NWSL basically weekly? 
Yes, we're, we'll we're, have an NWSL and U.S. Women's National Team Spotlight Weekly where we will highlight some upcoming games, different players, league news, international team news, coaching changes, etc. So anything that's going on about the NWSL slash U.S. Women's National Team, we will talk about it for at least 10 to 15 minutes every single show. Well, Simon, I know it's the opening segment of the show, and I know that we are back and we're excited, but I feel like we need to go into a, a, an interesting topic right away. We'll, get, we'll go to our 50-50 segment right away, if that works oh, for you. All right. I'm ready for this. All right. So the topic that I, I want to talk about is and pertains to a gentleman that is my age. It's weird to say this. A professional soccer player is my age. He's 24 years old. His name is Harry Ship. And he has been shipped off to the Montreal Impact after a trade uh, from the Chicago Fire to the Montreal Impact. And I believe our 50-50 segment today needs to be whether or not this was a good move for the Chicago Fire. All right. Because there's a lot of different ways you could argue about it. I mean, he's a Chicago native, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I feel like this would be a good way for us to to start off our show by chatting with somebody that's a little nearer and dearer to the show. I mean, Chicago's just a little bit down the road. Absolutely. why not start with the Chicago Fire? So would you like to start or would you like me to? I, you know, since we're doing this relaunch and you're the one who brought it up, I'd love for you to start us out. Okay. <laughs> well, for those of you that don't remember our 50-50 segments, uh, we take on a topic in the soccer world. We do encourage all of you as well to let us know your thoughts about it. Simon and I each get 45 seconds to defend our points or offer our opinions, and then you, the listener, have to let us know who you think won because Simon and I are biased at times because we take a side. So obviously we think we're right, but we'd like to hear from you guys who you think is the actual winner. You can do that on Facebook and on Twitter at 2UpFrontSoccer, at Baxter Colburn, at Simon Provan. All right, 45 seconds on the clock. Uh, I believe I'm ready to go, Simon. You are, and here is the beginning whistle. Go. All right, so Harry Ship being traded from the Chicago Fire to the Montreal Impact is probably one of the worst things the franchise could have done. Uh, if you talk about the great Chicago Fire, that's basically what they've just been doing this offseason with the new head coach coming in. They've purged the team, basically, and now they've gotten rid of, by far, the most household name in Chicago sports for the soccer team. The The implications of what now that Harry Ship is doing is, yes, it's a good move for his career because he gets to go and play with a little bit of a higher level bit of players, but at the same time, you find him now in a Montreal system that doesn't know him, the fans don't know him very well, and Chicago is now void of a true homegrown star, and now it just, I just, I'm I'm still, I'm just, it's hard to put it all into words just because of being worked up about it, unfortunately, so... There you go. That's we got a bell in there. I nice. Know, we got a bell. We get a bell. <laughs> yes. I don't have an official whistle, so I've got a bell for us. So, all right, forty-five seconds. I feel like I didn't do a great job of explaining my points, but I've got more I want to elaborate on after the fact. Sounds so. good. Sounds good. All, all right, right, forty-five seconds for you, Simon. On your mark, get set, go. On the surface, no, it's it's not the best thing that sh- the Chicago Fire could have ever done. Uh, you know, Andrew Hopman, the owner, has not been looked at kindly by the fan base. However, you got to remember over everything that this is still a business. And for the fans, it may not seem like that, but just like any other pro sport, it is a business. Chicago brought in Panovich, their new, uh, their new manager, to get this team to be a lot better than they have been. So you give Hoffman credit for that. This is a coach who's got a great pedigree, of course, with some, uh, some, some youth teams. He needs to put his mark on this team, and I don't think it was a matter of that he thinks Harry Ship is not talented. I think it's a matter of the system he wants to run. Ship wouldn't be in there, so you're still going to have upset fans either way. This way it helps the fire and hopefully does help Ship. 
Very nice. All right. Yeah, just one of the things I wanted to elaborate on, too. Uh, real quickly, after um, Ship was traded, he went on uh, Extra Time Radio on MLSsoccer.com and was talking with those guys that are host those shows. And he was saying, the first thing my mom did is call me, is call the fire and say, hey, I'm Harry Ship's mom. Give me my full refund for my season tickets, please. I mean, yes, yes. So it was interesting. Um, he also went on to say that she had fire stickers on her windshield of her car, and she was peeling them off yesterday and showing him pictures of them and that they're looking forward to going up to Montreal and catching some of the games. So it's it's interesting because, like you said, Harry Ship, he was raised in Chicago. The, he was raised loving the fire. He still has posters of the fire players on his bedroom at his house, and it's it's hard. It's like you know taking someone that has been so engulfed in a team and then just ripping their heart out and saying, all right, you're going somewhere else. And thankfully, Montreal's not that far away from Chicago, but still, it, it, it's... It's just a hard move. You'd like to it, see it some. A, it was a good story, and I feel like yeah. it was just hard to see it happen that yeah, way. I'm not going to deny that it's 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 heartbreaking for the fans of Chicago, especially everything that they've gone through. You finally got a guy here who really represents not just the fire well, but the city of Chicago well. A guy that's emotionally attached to the club, and the fans are emotionally attached to him. Uh, it it's it's a tough move. I don't think if Clopas was st- or not Clopas. Um, Yallop. Yallop. Thank Frank you. Yallop. If, if Yallop was still there, and and ship gets traded, been, Frank. They both are. That's, yeah, that's, what, that's where the confusion came in. That's what I thought. I was like, yeah. But had Yallop traded him, I'd be on a whole different side of this argument. Yeah. But, you know, Panovich is coming in. And like I said, he... Do you think he, he doesn't understand the, the Harry Ship effect? They very well did? could be. Well, he, he's come out and said that um, he gets that this is a player that was beloved by the club, but he's got to do what's best for the club. and I, Which is completely gutting the team. I don't feel like Chicago really has anybody good on the team left. I'm waiting for Sean Johnson to get traded, too, for goodness sakes. Well, there's rumors out there that Ponovich is going to be bringing in some midfielders that that may be even better than Ship. And if that's the case, then, mm. then Ship... I know, because it was, it was a trade. It was a player for money. I mean, there was no player for player. Right. So it's and that a, usually indicates that there's bigger plans. Yes. Yep. Regardless, I'm still not 100% happy with it. I mean, I was looking forward to finally getting to see Harry Ship play uh, down in Chicago one of these days. But, I mean, I'll just have to do it when he's in a Montreal Impact There you go. Uniform. They should be playing a couple times at least. I think so. I mean, it's those Eastern Conference foes, so that'll be a, a fun game to go down and check. So. I do know I'll be heading down there May 28th with my family to oh, really? uh, take a uh, cheer on the Portland Timbers. Ah, the MLS Cup defending Portland yeah. Timbers. Yes. Very yes. nice. All right, well, we are going to jump to our first break. When we come back, it's time to talk about the Copa America, the 100th anniversary. First time North America, the United States, is hosting the tournament. We'll talk about the group draws and where the United States is and where they might go. We'll be right back. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America.
Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Provan. We continue to move on with our first show back after our new relaunch. We're excited to have you back here in the studio with us. Remember, you can listen to the show on Fridays on Sports Radio America from 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time by going to sportsradioamerica.com and on the TuneIn app as well. Go and download it on your smartphone or whatever device and then search for TuneIn, and then search for Sports Radio America. Yeah, if you have your laptop by, you can go to Sports Radio America. Uh, look for Two Up Front on their show page. Click on TuneIn, and you can actually listen on your laptop as well. Yes, indeed. Yeah, so there is actually a fun fact. Sports Radio America puts out poll questions on the show pages, and we actually have a poll question on our Two Up Front page. If you go to Sports Radio America, go to shows, you can see... Uh, the poll question right now, and I, I have to ask because I'm the young guy in the room, Simon, yeah. is the name of this trophy, is that the MLS trophy or what trophy that, that is that? Yes, the uh, the Philip uh, F. Anschutz trophy. So, okay. so that's when you hear somebody say St. Phil or Father Phil. Yes, I've that, heard of him. That's, that's who they're referring to. So back in the early days of MLS, uh, you had your, you know, you, you had your first couple of years of owners jumping in and a lot of them starting to jump out. Well, well Phil Anschutz. Um, and Lamar Hunt basically owned the league, mm. uh, and of course Robert Kraft has took care of the uh, revolution. Sure, sure. But F- Phil Anschutz at one point owned, owned six teams in the league. Ooh. Lamar Hunt owned three, and then there were a couple years there where the league owned a couple of. The, now, oh. of course, they own all the teams still. Sure, but you know what I mean. In a the, different the, facet. The, yes, the, they used to call them. Uh, what was it? Investor operators, and they just decided, you know what, that's too long. Let's just call them owners. It is, exactly. Um, So because St. Phil Mm -hmm. had believed in the league and basically kept the league going, he was also, he's the founder of AEG, who, of course, still owns the Galaxy. Okay. Um, But, you know, at one point, they owned the Fire, the Galaxy, uh, Houston Dynamo. Um, Back in the early days, Houston wasn't there. But uh, anyways, it was a number of teams. So he kept the league going. Him mm-hmm. and Lamar Hunt basically kept the league going. If okay. it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have an MLS today. That is true. So that's a very good reason to name a trophy after no kidding after one of the founding members. Absolutely. So going back to our poll question is you have uh, if you go to sportsradioamerica.com dot com and go under shows and click on our two up front page, you can vote for which team you think is going to win the Philip Anschutz Trophy this year or MLS Cup 2016. Uh, your choices, according to Sports Radio America, which I'm a little upset about, but I'm over it. <laughs> Vancouver Whitecaps FC, the New York Red Bulls, the Portland Timbers, FC Dallas, Columbus Crew, Montreal Impact, and DC United. You can go and you can vote. Uh, let your voice be heard um, and see just how the rest of the world thinks uh, you might stack up as well. Because as soon as you vote, you'll see... Uh, how other people have voted as well in terms of... Uh, so right now, the Portland Timbers are leading with 50% of the vote. FC Dallas, Columbus Crew, and DC United all are uh, just hanging on with a thread, but the Portland Timbers are the leading candidate right now to win the trophy. Well, out of those clubs, I think that makes sense. You could make an argument for uh, for the Crew or the Red Bulls. Yeah. Uh, definitely for Vancouver. I agree with uh, that, yeah. I think DC United... Obviously, a, van, no. a fan voted there. Had uh, to have, yeah. <laughs> Montreal Impact, I appreciate the Dark Horse candidate, but yeah. I mean... Yeah. Where's the galaxy? Where's uh? Where's where's uh, that other Cascadia club? Yeah, Seattle. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> like I said, we don't write the polls. Uh, we we right. could. Yes, we could yeah. if we wanted to, but that would be defeating the purpose. All right. So the Copa America Centenario USA 2016 kicking off in June. What exactly do we have going on here, Simon? Well, it's the same storyline, right? The U.S. draws a tough group. Mexico draws a pretty easy group. And Brazil Shocker. gets the easiest group of them all, I would I would guess, anyways. Uh, you know, you look at Group D, you've got Argentina, Chile, Panama, Bolivia. That 
obviously it's not that difficult of a group. I mean, Bolivia sitting in eighth in World Cup qualifying, so Argentina should pretty much breeze through I'd that group. I'd be shocked, yeah. But, I, could, but, I could see Chile putting up a smidge of a fight. Sure. I mean, Chile and Argentina are going to advance, barring some weird thing. They really should. Interesting, you know, Chile is actually above Argentina in the Cannonball uh, the World Cup qualifying in South mm. America. Okay, um, Chile's in fifth, and Argentina's in sixth. Okay, so who are the four groups, and where is everybody located? Right, though? so Group A, we've got USA, Colombia, Costa Rica, and Paraguay. Group B, you have Brazil, Ecuador, Haiti, Peru. And Group C, you have Mexico, Uruguay, Jamaica, and Venezuela. And as I mentioned, the Group D... Argentina, Chile, Panama, and Bolivia. All right. So immediately looking at these groups, as you mentioned, Simon, Brazil, Argentina, very easy groups. And I, I understand what you're saying about you're saying Mexico has a fair, has a, an easy-ish group, but Uruguay, as we know, is got guys that are very talented on their Absolutely. team. Last I checked, a guy named Luis Suarez played for them and a few other young up-and-comers whether or not those guys all travel for the tournament, that is to be seen because I think it'd be a different storyline because, unfortunately, with this tournament, it's not the World Cup, it's not the Europas, it's not any of that stuff, so you don't always hear of big-name countries bringing all of their big-name players, unfortunately, and that might be the case for some of these teams. I feel like Brazil probably won't bring their full squad. Argentina might bring some of their big guys. Uruguay, you know, who knows, but... The, the dark horse, as we thought going into uh, the Gold Cup this last year, is Jamaica as well. And I feel like Jamaica could cause some problems for both Uruguay and Mexico. So I don't know if it's as clear-cut of a, a victory for Mexico to get out as we've seen in recent past, depending on how the refs are doing that. Well, that's a good point. You know, the teams have come out and said this tournament means a lot. It is the you know 100th anniversary of the Copa America, the world's uh, oldest international tournament, if I believe I have that right. I think so, yes. Uh, and a, lo- a number of these players have come out and said they do want to participate in this. Uh, I definitely think um, CONCACAF is depending on these big players showing up. I'd hope for so, yeah. a matter of ticket sales. Yes. Um, but when I say easy with Group C as far as Mexico's concerned, on paper... There should be no reason they don't get out of this group. Yes, you know, yes, Jamaica. That, that it second could place give is them the a, one that's up for grabs. Right, right. You know, well, I would, I would expect Uruguay and Mexico actually to battle for first place, mm-hmm. and those, and those are the two teams that, again, on paper, should easily get out of this group. Yes, is Jamaica going to give them a run for their money? They very well could. I hope so. Uh, Venezuela, I doubtful. Very doubtful. They, they've been playing terrible. Uh, again, tenth place in World Cup qualifying. They're on a negative. Seven with their goal differential. Mm, yeah, no, uh, not going to get out. It'll of be there. a nice vacation for them in the U.S. for a couple of weeks. Exactly, they'll just be it's one of those people that they're just happy to be there. You know, they get three games, they get some players, more international time, and all that stuff. So, you know, in that regards, eh. So, the USA, Colombia, Costa Rica, Paraguay. Um, well, here we'll get to the U.S. in a minute because I know we're going to get a little bit more in depth of them. So, Argentina and Chile, as we believe, should get out of Group D with no problems at all, right? Shouldn't I, I'm excited to see Panama in this group, though. Oh, really? You know, Panama, okay. Panama did. Well, they took third place in the Gold Cup. They beat the U.S. in the Gold Cup for that third place trophy. It always depends with Panama. Same thing we'll talk about with Costa Rica, and you made this comment, is mm-hmm. is which team shows up. Yes. You know, Chile is very exciting. We saw how exciting they can be in the World Cup. Yes. I think yep. they're going to, I think they have a great chance of getting out of this group. Uh, by the way, the only group with three South American teams in it. Um, I don't see Bolivia really doing much, uh, but I'm excited to see what Panama pulls off. Mm-hmm. I'd agree with you on that one. And then Group B, you've got Brazil, Ecuador, Haiti, and Peru. I know Peru has shown moments of brilliance, barring uh, I have some Peruvian friends back in Florida, and they've been talking highly of the team that they've got right now, but 
Brazil and Ecuador. I mean, as you mentioned, Ecuador, they're at the top of their World Cup qualifying group right now. Undefeated. points, undefeated. I would be shocked if Brazil and Ecuador don't get out of this group. I honestly. agree. I think it's a, it's the easiest group to call at this point. Yes. Yep. I'd agree. Cool for Haiti to be there. Yeah. It's so absolutely. great that Haiti gets to play against the likes of Brazil. You know, great it is. for them. I mean, it, obviously, those are going to probably be some lopsided score lines, unfortunately. Sure. But once again, that's the only way to get your team better, though, at times, is to be able to play some of the best athletes in the world, the best, you know, venues as well. So, I mean, exactly. Haiti, I think, will become a better team because of this tournament. Right. So, Group A, let's not ignore the elephant in the room anymore. As you mentioned, USA, Colombia, Costa Rica, and Paraguay. Oh, boy. Um, It's not people that are in the soccer world that are fans of the U.S. men's national team immediately jump to group of death. That was the first thing I heard. Group of death, group of death. Right, well, I think... Does every tournament need to have a group of death? It does not, but I think that's what they're saying is if you look at the groups, this is the most difficult group, so you are going to call it the group of death. Sure. Uh, Because, quite frankly... I actually don't think it's too bad of a name for this group because any one of these teams you could see progressing out of it. That is true. Yes, I mean, there's no clear cut. You'd like to assume that Colombia should be should get out. You know, you talk about Jaime Rodriguez, you talk about Falcao, you talk about how great that team did at the 2014 World Cup. And I understand it's been two years. I understand a lot happens to teams and players in that, but. Even still, Colombia, they've been battling against Argentina and a lot of other teams as well. well and they, and they, they can take a lot of, out of them. They haven't done that well since the World Cup mm-hmm. as well. Uh, so you, you can look at that in one of two ways. of you know They're, they're licking their wounds so the mm-hmm. U.S. really can take advantage of that. Or this is the tournament mm-hmm. that gets them back on, onto their winning ways. Exactly. Yeah, why not? Why not use a 100th anniversary of a tournament to go out and really set the tone for everybody? And as you briefly alluded to, with Costa Rica, Simon, I... I want to say Costa Rica should get out of this turn should get out of this group because I, I of how well they did at the World Cup and fairly how well they did at the Gold Cup but we saw that Gold Cup team for Costa Rica was different than that World Cup team I feel like but I think it, it was, was because they were they were had more expectations going into the Gold Cup because nobody cared Well in the World and Cup. and I think a lot of people would still argue that they essentially had won that game Mm-hmm. Against Mexico, they did. I don't. I don't want to rehash all of that. You know, bad referee call. Um, but they were the shock team at the World Cup. Yes. they were the shock team of 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 Concacaf as well. With with how well they they played. Um, you know, they got one of the best goalkeepers in the world in Kaylor Navas. We see that what having a have, having a strong goalkeeper can do for you. I mean. Yes, the U.S. That's, lost to Belgium, but Tim Howard put up 16 saves and alone. Exactly. That's the hard part to say, well, he didn't do that well. Well, actually, he did very well. Right. Granted, he's Howard's not doing that well for uh, Everton <laughs> anymore. But anyways, details, uh, details. <laughs> but yeah, Costa Rica, I, I, they, they will definitely give the U.S. a solid run for this. And, you know, for the U.S., what it's going to come down to is Klinsman going to play these guys in their positions. Mm-hmm. Is this the tournament... And he's mentioned so of how important this tournament is, but he also said that about the Gold Cup going into it. Yeah. But he has said that their goal is to, you know, get out of the group, get mm-hmm. to the semifinals. Okay. And the only way you do that is if you stop experimenting, at least for a month, put the best players in that you honestly feel are yes. the best players, play them in their positions that they play. If Klinsman does that, I think the U.S. gets out of this group. If he continues with his experimentation, mm-hmm. the U.S. doesn't doesn't see anything beyond their first three games. Now, it's interesting, too, as you mentioned, that Jurgen Klinsmann said, well, we'd like to get out of this group. I feel like we're past the point where that needs to be said. 
It should be expected. It should be expected. Be like, we, we, we'd like to get out of this group. That's an ex- expectation. Nobody on the U.S. men's national team, I feel like, walked into this first meeting as a team saying, hey, you know, I feel like we, you know, we should really just try to get out of the group this year. Nobody in that room was like, yeah, that's, I'm fine with that. If we get out, that's fine. No. Why would you, why show up to the tournament? You are the United States of America. Why show up to this tournament? Why host this tournament on your home soil if all you want to do is get out of the group? That is an awful awful expectation to set for yourself. I, I completely agree, Baxter. And uh, before we forget, we should talk a little bit about Paraguay as well. Yes. Now, the U.S. is going to have a big-time advantage when they finally meet Paraguay mm. in that Paraguay will travel more in this tournament than any other team. Oh, okay. So the U.S. gets them for their last group game in Philadelphia on June 11th. Okay. Uh, they made it to the, uh, it's the semifinals of the 2015 Copa America. Okay. Um, so it's very likely that they could give a strong run for the money as well Absolutely. to get out of this group. Um, There's always that one team in the tournament. There is. And, and Paraguay could very well be, or Costa Rica. And again, that's why we go back to saying you could label this the group of death it is, because yeah. it is pretty unpredictable. Because all four teams could get out, yes. So it, it has opened uh, World Cup qualifying for 2018. Two wins, a tie, and a loss. And actually sits in a three-way tie for third place, but it hasn't really played the bigger teams yet. Mm-hmm. So we're not really sure who this Paraguay team is yet. Now, question for you, because I love asking you Jurgen Klinsmann questions. <laughs> if the U.S. doesn't get out of this group, is Klinsmann fired? Or should he be fired? Listen, I said if if we don't win the Gold Cup, he'd be fired. I said if we don't win that third-place game, <laughs> he'd be fired. Uh, no, you know what? I'm, I'm, I've resigned myself to the fact that... Is he infallible? Go- is he like the Pope? No, he's not infallible, but <laughs> but for some reason, Galati seems him sees in that That's what light. I'm wondering. I was going to say, in U.S. soccer eyes, can he do no wrong? I think what it is is that Galati has put so much into Klinsman as far as not just the head coach of the mm-hmm. national team, but as the technical, technical director. True. And they've done so much based off of that. Some of it, I still strongly feel, is to the detriment of the development of the players. That is true, yes. Uh, but that's also a little bit unfair because it's going to take years for us to see that. Um, but I think because mainly because of his work as technical director, Gulati keeps Klinsman in no matter what. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that one. As much as I would rather Klinsman not be around, if, we, if the United States does not get out of the group, if the United States goes into this tournament and gets you know two draws and a loss, there's no reason at all for Jurgen Klinsman to still be the coach moving forward the rest of the way. Not when he keeps putting on, uh, as well as he should, these these expectations on the players. And exactly. if these players don't meet the expectations, they don't get called up. Perfectly why, why, acceptable. Exactly. The United but, States should be held to the same thing. But he's got to hold himself to those standards exactly. as well, and he hasn't been. I agree. I absolutely agree. All right, Simon, well, we have to run to a break because on the other side, we are joined by Mr. Soccer himself, Peter Wilds. You're not going to want to miss the interview. We, we did it a few days ago, so pardon the weird audio quality at times, but Peter Wilt himself will be here to join us, so you're not going to want to miss it. You are listening to Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America.
Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. All right, Simon, we've had a good show so far. As we continue to roll on with our show, we've got another chance to interview a acclaimed person in the soccer world. And uh, I like it. I like it just the way you describe people, Simon. So I'll let you give the accolades and the resume of who we're about to speak with. Well, this is a man that is is widely known in the uh, U.S. soccer world, probably worldwide as well. Uh, he helped start up the Chicago Fire. He's responsible for getting that beautiful stadium down in Bridgeview. Um, he's helped start up the Indy 11, and, and the work that they have done is amazing. And now we have him on two up front. We'd like to call him Mr. Soccer. He is Mr. Peter Wilt. Peter, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks very much, guys. Great to be on with you. Absolutely, Peter. Well, we've got a lot of—I'm sure we've got a ton of questions we want to get to right away. But first and foremost, Chicago, the NASL. What the heck is going on? It looks like you guys are trying to bring another team to to the Chicago area. Can you shed a little bit of light on what's going on down there? We are in the uh, formative stages, I guess you could say, of, of bringing the North American Soccer League team uh, to the city of Chicago. Uh, uh, last Monday, or I guess two Mondays ago, we had our website launch at the Globe Pub that served as kind of an introduction to the team, and it went over very well. It was a, a packed uh, venue, some uh, a great cross-section of supporters there from the professional and amateur soccer w- world, uh, adult and youth, and, um, I, I, and I think it was really well received in terms of the idea of having a second team in the Chicagoland area, and the idea of having one specifically in the city of Chicago. We still have some loose ends to tie up in terms of a venue, uh, which will lead to closure of our investment group, and uh, then that will lead to uh, the formal application with the North American Soccer League with the hopeful acceptance in time to play our first game in 2017. Are you, in speaking of a venue, are you looking to uh, build a new venue, or are you probably going to share with uh, either a local university or a pre-established venue down in the Chicago area? In the short term, we're looking at using uh, one of the major venues in Chicago land, likely Soldier Field, who we are engaged in discussions with. Uh, For the long term, we would like to build a soccer-centric stadium in the city, in the 20,000 uh, to 25,000 seat range. Uh, but the first priority is to secure that short-term venue. And I, I think uh, Soldier Field would make a, a good solution for us in that nice soccer fans place. are used to going there for games, going back to the Chicago Sting days, uh, and then obviously the Chicago Fire and international soccer matches as well. So you brought up the Chicago Sting, and Peter, I'm I'm old enough to remember uh, a few of the uh, Chicago Sting games. Um, speaking of that, is is there any talk of possibly the Chicago Sting name returning to uh, to this club if uh, if if all goes well? Yes, uh, as a matter of fact, one of the questions on the website, I and mean, we have a survey that has maybe four or five, maybe six uh, short questions. One of them is asking the fans what they think the name of the team should be. Peter Wilt FC. Sting is a specific option, uh, but it's an open-ended question. Uh, and I, I will say that in the early going, the first 500 or so responses, uh, almost uh, half of them uh, mentioned Sting. So it's certainly a popular uh, name, uh, especially with, I'll say my generation, and I'm in my mid-50s, 
for people that remember the Sting, and it has a, a warm spot in, in their hearts because of the championships the team won in the original NASL in 1981 and 84. That being said, more than half of the entries are not Chicago Sting, and most of those are coming from uh, younger generations, uh, young adults, uh, which frankly will be a key uh, market for this team, the uh, millennial generation, especially those living in the city. Uh, so um, we still have some ways to go before deciding exactly what the name will be. All right, and uh, Peter, another question for you. You've been honest with everybody. I, I think I read this in the Chicago Tribune about how you've said, you know, it's it's not going to be the world's best soccer with this team. It's it's not going to be the world's best players. Um, so then the obvious question is, is how do you sell a club like this then to the public? Yeah, no, that's a, a great comment or question. And I would say we would go about it the same way we did in Indianapolis with Indy 11, and to a large extent with the Chicago Fire in the early years, where you create a team in conjunction with the community so that they really believe that this is their team, that there's emotional connections to the players and the uniforms and uh, the representation of it, so that this team is part and parcel of the community, and they want to cheer for that team regardless of the caliber of play. Uh, because in the United States at this time, we do not have the best soccer in the world. True. And soccer fans can watch better soccer for less money with less inconvenience by staying at home and turning on their TV or the computer and watching international soccer. So we have to find other ways to do it, create those emotional connections, largely through partnerships is what we did in Indianapolis. We created these uh uh, tie-ins with various cultural, civic, uh, corporate, and sporting organizations that really allow them to be part and parcel of the team, of Indy 11. And I think there's a need and a desire in Chicago, especially in the city, to have uh, similar relationships with this new team. Now, you guys talk about doing the, the team in the Chicago area. Are you going to to aim more towards having a partnership with the Chicago Fire and even the Chicago Red Stars and even the Chicago Mustangs indoor soccer team at all? Or is it going to be your own separate entity that operates the way you want to? Or are you going to try to unify Chicago soccer, professional soccer as a whole? No, absolutely. We're going to seek partnerships with all of them. And we've already had initial conversations um, with the ownership of the Chicago Mustangs and the Chicago Red Stars. Uh, I've reached out and connected with the general manager and president of, uh, or CEO of the Chicago Fire. Uh, so with the soccer, professional, other professional soccer clubs in town, absolutely we want to have relationships with them. You know, I'll be attending the uh, Chicago Fire uh, season kickoff luncheon on Monday at the Hyatt Regency, um, showing my support for them. I also have a season ticket that I've renewed um, uh, for the Chicago Fire. Uh, obviously, I'm a member of the Ring of Fire, and I feel part and parcel of that organization that I started. And, and, and having uh, their support and cooperation uh, will be important uh, and, and, and will obviously support and promote uh, the fire as well. Well, and with that, obviously you believe that Chicago is a market that can that can support two professional teams. Um, along with that, it's kind of a similar question, but 
but kind of different as well. You've had your hand in a lot of a lot of organizations, Peter. You've had a lot of successes, and then you know us being from Milwaukee. At least uh, Baxter was down in Florida when when you were trying to get an MLS team here. You and I both know that the uh, city council made that extremely difficult. Um, but I'm curious if you could if you could perhaps walk us through the evolution <laughs> that you've had in the game with you know from starting up the uh, Chicago Fire to starting up the Indy Eleven and if that process has changed at all. Uh, It's funny. My my start in soccer, like yours, goes before that. Um, In fact, Simon, I remember working with your your dad uh, back in the mid-1980s. Sure. uh, Working to promote soccer when I was with the Milwaukee Wave. And then I went on to the Chicago Power and Continental Indoor Soccer League and Minnesota Thunder, all before starting the Chicago Fire. So, you know, my perspective doesn't start in 1997 with the fire. It goes at least a decade before that and even earlier as a Chicago Sting fan. And I can tell you that the landscape for professional soccer in this country uh, and in Wisconsin, to be specific, has grown immensely. Hmm. But what's interesting is it hasn't been an overnight revolution, which I think a lot of people had been looking for when they were saying it's the sport of the 70s, then the sport of the 80s, the sport of the 90s, and so on. Instead, what's happened, it's been an evolution, not that revolution. And it's slowly but surely become ingrained in the mainstream of American society. And it's happened in three groups that have all grown from a niche to a sizable population. And uh, that includes that young adult millennial generation I talked about, the 18 to 34-year-olds that grew up playing the sport and now actively watch it. They play FIFA on the video game. And the second important demographic is the suburban youth soccer families, which has grown exponentially since the North American Soccer League brought the professional game to a high visibility level in the United States in the 1970s with Pele and into the 80s, the seeds they laid grew into today's burgeoning youth soccer community. And that was enhanced by the World Cups in the 90s, the Men's World Cup in 94, and importantly, the Women's World Cup in 1999. And then uh, finally, uh, the ever-growing population of immigrants the new Americans to America have really brought soccer with them and added the sport to the mainstream. All three of those demographics are, are growing and making a greater impact. And there are studies, uh, specifically the ESPN Lucre poll, that's been done since uh, the early 90s that simply asks Americans, what's your favorite sport as a spectator? And professional soccer was not in the top four uh, for the first uh, 18 years of that poll. And then in 2012, it broke through, knocked out professional hockey and auto racing, and is now in the top four uh, with a bullet. It's rising. And that's among ages 12 plus. Among ages 12 to 24, uh, it's number two, and that's only going to grow. Right, and I, I know that, uh, you know, I read the article on that as well where um – I believe it was the president of ESPN or, or somebody, one of the higher-ups at ESPN had said, you know, the thing about soccer is all the other established sports, 
they're where they're going to be, and they're they're not necessarily going to grow. They're not mm-hmm. necessarily going to go down. They've but kind of soccer, almost reached their peak, yeah. right? But soccer has such a high potential, and yep. and uh, one of the things I wanted to add to that, Peter, you kind of hit on it. Is the way I see it as well. Um, you know, yeah, people in the with the NASL, the original NASL, talking about how yeah now soccer is going to take off, and we didn't see it. We didn't see it. It was those seeds that were planted, and along with that, you know, I've got I've got two younger daughters. One of them doesn't play, but one of them does, and she absolutely loves it. Of course, all my brother's kids play, so it's kind of like if you if you look at the family tree, mm-hmm. it just keeps spreading and getting wider and That's wider. What you and wider. want, yep. And and now you have. You've got a second generation that's watching MLS, that's watching NASL, that's yep. going out to their local USL teams. Um, so it is. We talked about this with Rob Stone as well. Is uh, it's exciting times? It's exciting times. In this it is. Yeah, and, this game. and even kind of going off of that too for a second. Even when I was a kid growing up in Florida, and I would watch MLS games, the the one MLS game on ESPN or something that would be shown, you know, every month or two, I would kind of get made fun of by my friends. They're like, why are you watching MLS? Even though I was in high school and that was, you know, I'm not even that old, even though that was like six or seven years ago is because nobody watched it really. Nobody cared that, you know, the Chicago Fire were playing on TV. And then finally it started to make a breakthrough. And I still, you know, was still kind of following the league a little bit because I'm a born and bred New England Revolution fan, but because they beat the Chicago Fire on Taylor Twelman's goal kick, uh, bicycle <laughs> kick. But that's irrelevant to the conversation. Anyway, but it's it's amazing to see How though. Many MLS cups has New England won? <laughs> exactly, I know that's the biggest comeback Touché. anybody ever has for me. They're like, oh, how how many cups have they won? I'm like, you know what? They've been there more than most teams have, but you know, they just they don't they, give them time. Buffalo, yeah, <laughs> Buffalo and New England, they're the best teams, uh, best teams ever. But even the way though, the growth though is 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 amazing is amazing to see. But one of the thing I wanted to ask you about really fast, just kind of changing gears over to the fire for a second. And I'm I'm just curious to get your opinion about this, Peter. Is that last week uh, or two weeks ago, um, one of the best up and coming players in Major League Soccer found himself traded? Uh, Harry Ship. He was a part of the Chicago Fire organization, arguably the most liked player in the organization, and now he finds himself in Montreal. What was your just initial reaction? I know you, like I said, you have you have your ties to the organization, but just from a, an outsider looking in, what did you think about that that whole deal and seeing? probably the most popular player in the city for the Chicago Fire, at least, finding himself, pardon the pun, getting shipped off to the Montreal Impact. Yeah, Harry Ship's trade was a um, it was a real blow to the uh, hardcore fans of the Fire, including myself. Yeah, I understand it on a competitive level. I think ultimately it likely could, should make the Fire a better team. I think uh, Coach Ponovich wants to have a bit of a clean slate that he can start from, and this trade will help in that regard. I think it also opens up a key position on the team to bring in an international uh, playmaker uh, who may have uh, better technical qualities than Harry that may ultimately help the team win. Uh, the other side of it, though, is the emotional side and the cultural side, I'll say. I, I think Harry uh, is a special player on the fire for a couple of reasons. Certainly he's, he's talented and still has an upside. Hopefully will continue to de- develop and maybe even become a U.S. national team fixture at some point. Uh, but m- maybe more important to that is his, his background uh, as a fire fan. Yeah. You know, growing up in the Chicago suburbs, I, I, I know his dad and I know Harry um, was a fire fan as, as a little kid growing up. And so his posters of the fire on his wall. Yep. And having a player like that in your organization 
can really be a positive in the culture of, of the club and a representative of the club. Um, and it's a tough thing to balance. I mean, you know, being a Green Bay Packer fan, I had a hard time when Brett Favre uh, was traded. Yeah, absolutely. And th- that really made an impact on me as a fan for, for many years. I'm, I'm frankly still struggling to get over. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I'm the guy that traded Peter Novak away from uh, the Chicago Fire. <laughs> so I understand uh, both sides of the equation. It's difficult. I will say as a, a new sh- team in Chicago, uh, I would love to have a Perry ship uh, uh back in the city of Chicago playing soccer someday. Well, you know, what it does speak to is what you were talking about earlier, Peter, is that, you know, Harry Ship, he's a great player. Is he world-class? No, he's not world-class. Not yet. But the fans had an emotional attachment yeah. to him just like he had an emotional attachment And you saw that, too, in his letter that he wrote to the fans. Right, I think yeah, That absolutely. was very, very heartfelt. And you could tell that he was, he, he didn't, I mean, he he's excited for the new opportunity, but he, he secretly, I think he was not very happy about it. He's like, look, I don't want to leave my hometown. This is the team I grew up wanting to play for, sure. you know, as a kid, and now I have to go to Canada and play with Didier Drogba. Well, and it also speaks to what we're talking about here is how much this game has progressed, that you have fans very emotionally attached mm-hmm. to their local clubs. Exactly. Fans that even like a team like Chicago, you know, you, you grew up watching the fire and you wanted to play for the fire. I mean, you know, that not to take anything against away from the fire, but how many kids do you see that grow up watching the fire saying, that's the team I want to play for? Usually it's, oh, I want to go to play for Manchester United. I want to play for Arsenal. Harry Ship wanted to play for the Chicago Fire and he got to do that and lived out his dream for at least two seasons. And now we're hoping there'll be uh, young kids out there that'll get emotionally attached to the new Chicago NASL club yet to be named. Um, and that's that is where it all starts, you know, Peter. You talked about how you can go and watch the Premier League on TV. That yeah, maybe you can go out to a pub and and have a good time with your buddies. But I will say, there is nothing like going to the stadium and experiencing yep. it firsthand, no Absolutely. matter what level of soccer we're talking about. It, it is about the overall fan experience, and that includes the play on the field, includes the environment uh, that the fans themselves create. Uh, and that's one of the reasons I think Soldier Field would be a great venue for us. It's a, a first-class venue with great amenities, accessible by public transportation, opportunities for tailgating, uh, high-end amenities for suites and club seat holders. Fans are familiar with the location because of Bears games and international soccer matches. So uh, it, it's, it's a great place to watch soccer, and we're looking forward to, to, uh, to viewing it hopefully there. Uh, but still to be determined in 2017. Well, Peter, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. Before we let you go, uh, why don't you give us the website that you guys have launched and any social media that people can look at as well? Great. The website is uh, www.chicagonasl.com, and there's a survey on there we'd love um, fans to fill out, and uh, that way they can get more information about it, as well as uh, a supporters trust, that uh, we plan on launching that will give fans the opportunity to be actual owners in this team, which is something very unique and made possible only by recent legislation enacted by the state of Illinois. And then also they can follow us on Twitter, at Chicago NASL, and there's a Facebook page for Chicago NASL as well. Excellent. Well, Peter, you've uh, you, you've done so much for the game in this country. I personally want to thank you for that. Um, personally, want to thank you for coming on the show today, for helping us relaunch two up front as well. We're hoping to grow just as you're hoping to grow. I uh, couldn't think of a better person to have on for our first show in this Absolutely. new era of two up front. So, thank you so much. 
You're welcome. I enjoyed it. Take care, guys. All right. You thank too. you so Thanks, much, Peter. Peter Wilt, Mr. Soccer, a fantastic person, not only in the soccer world, but for the growth of soccer uh, in the United States as well. So we are going to take a break. When we come back, we've got more soccer talk to get to. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by Sports... Radio America. Sorry, that was a bit of a longer thing than I wanted to hold it out for there. No, I've, <laughs> modern technology is a beautiful thing. Uh, yes, that's, you hear me laughing in the background. That is brilliant, <laughs> Baxter, brilliant. Thank you, thank you. <sighs> I can finally breathe. All right, well, Simon, that was a fantastic uh, opportunity to get to chat with Peter Wilt. We're so glad that he was able to come on the program and share all the great things that and uh, the NASL and Chicago all have planned for the upcoming seasons as well. Exciting times there in Chicago. And I, I think it's obviously a big enough market that you can have two professional oh, yeah. teams there. I'd agree. The one thing I learned from that interview, I need to shut up and just let the guy talk. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Peter did most of the talking. If we had to put out a little pie graph, I think Peter did a good job of covering the bases for Absolutely. everything. He's got so yes. much knowledge to share. Why would we want to talk over him? All right, Simon, we'll switch gears from the men's game to the women's game for a little bit today. We're going to talk about the U.S. Women's National Team and the NWSL. Also, uh, for right away, though, the U.S. Women's National Team continuing to prove why they are the best team, not only in North America, but in the world. Absolutely. Well. Qualifying again for the Olympics through a tournament that one goal scored against them. Wow. Shut out Mexico. That many, huh? Holy cow. Shout out Canada in the final. Uh, uh, so <laughs> I was looking at what some uh, followers of the U.S. women's team were saying was, well, it looks like Canada sent their hockey team again. <laughs> it was a pretty rough game. Uh, made it a, I will say it made it a little bit of a snoozer until uh, the U.S. started to put some goals in. Exactly. And a U.S.-Canada game is kind of like a, a men's USA-Mexico game where it's, you know, I don't know why, but for some reason USA and Canada have always just been big games at the women's level. I mean, you've got the likes of Christine Sinclair and a lot of the other great women that they have for Canada. And the U.S. has always had all the storied people that they have. But as you mentioned, though, a 2-0 finale, two Portland Thorn players scoring the goals as well in the you know, in the latter half of the game after the 70th minute plus. But it was great to see the U.S. continue to, to roll. Because as we've talked about it before, you know, you have a World Cup, you do so well, and then sometimes you see a team taper off. 
just to try to get their feet wet and bring in new players. And <clears throat> excuse me, we haven't seen that at all with this U.S. women's national team. They've done nothing but score more and more and more and more goals. But it's not been the usual suspects. It's been no. guys, women like Crystal Dunn, Mallory Pugh. We've seen Tobin Heath get on the score sheet a few times. It's not the normal household names that you see. Well, no, what's going on is obviously, you know, Abby has retired. Um, you got Megan Rapino who wasn't able to play. Mm-hmm. Um you get these younger players in there that that's why they're not names yet. Yes, exactly. Uh, but that's the great thing about the women's program is they just they they slot in new players and they pick up from where the other players left off. And exactly. They keep rolling in some ways look even better than they did in their uh, World Cup win. And that's the hard the that's the weird thing about it too. For those that follow the game of soccer, you'd assume you'd be like, all right, picture your team's Abby Wambach, your team's Megan Rapino, and now don't play a tournament with them. You know, most people would be like, oh my gosh, like how are we going to, you know, Abby retired obviously, but Megan had a, I think it was an ACL tear or something like that. She had to get surgery to do that. But all you'd be like, well, there's, you know, we're just obviously not going to be that good this tournament. But then the U.S. women's national team, I feel like has always been the exception to the rule. They come in, they bring in these new, they bring in a 17 year old Mallory Pugh. They bring in a young Crystal Dunn. They see Tobin Heath. Carly Lloyd continues to dazzle. Alex Morgan continues to step up. And it's like, Who's Abby? Who's Megan? We're we're just fine. You know, we scored five goals in this game. We scored ten goals in this game, regardless of who the opponents were. We we're just fine. We shut out Canada in a final, and Canada right. had a pretty full strength squad too. You compare that to the men's team. You know, it, not to go back into the controversy, but you take Landon Donovan out of the picture. Yep. and the team's not as cohesive. True. Um, you know, and and we're still sitting here saying, boy, you know, Clint Dempsey's possibly on his way out. What's going to happen when he's not playing anymore? Now, you're hoping that we're going to be surprised by some youngsters, of course. Uh, you You'd know, like we, to hope. Uh, Christian uh, Pulisic. No, that's not right either. I'm, I'm Pulisic? Thank Something you. like that? So, yes. He's the, he's, the youngster. he's the youngster over playing for Borussia Dortmund. For Pennsylvania. Calm um, you know, the, the tough thing there is he also has a Croatian passport. So, mm. you know, we don't know if he's going to play eventually play for Croatia. That's true. If they call him up. You know, him being the exception that you could maybe take him, put him in the U.S. men's yeah. national team, and, and be completely okay, maybe a little better. Uh, there's not many players in the U.S. pool right now that you can no. say that about. No, absolutely On the not. men's side. But exactly. on the women's the side, side, it's amazing. It's it's cavernous is deep. Like, it's ridiculous. It's Mariana Trench deep for how deep this women's national team is. They have so many talented players at so many different positions. It doesn't matter who you have out there. They're going to score goals. Their defense is going to be terrific. Their goalkeepers are going to step up. No matter who you have on the field, the U.S. is going to always be a contender in any tournament that they play. I need to redeem myself. Please. Pulisic. Pulisic. There Thank you, you go. Thank you. I've, I've tried Bless to say you. that name. Anyways, it's not about me. It's about the U.S. women. It's all good. No, they've done a fantastic job. But moving from the U.S. women, though, this is also their fourth straight CONCACAF Olympic qualifying championship title as well. So that has something to be said about the and team. I think that they right have. now you've got to call them the favorites to win the gold medal. I would be shocked if they didn't, honestly, at this point. I know Japan and China and Canada and Germany and the usual suspects will do their best, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's the great part about it, too, is I love the Women's World Cup and the Olympics because it's the same players right it's not the u20 whatevers and two or three old guys they took along like the olympics do on the men's side i feel like more people would be interested in the olympics from the men's perspective if they could bring the full national teams because who wouldn't want to win a gold medal absolutely well, and the difference is of course is they the fifa uses the olympics as another youth yes. championship basically basically is what it is yes then you can bring along two or three guys and that are above what is it 24 23 yeah it's, it's the u23 
team. Uh, age limit, right, with three over-aged guys that yes. you can bring in. Which, mm-hmm. eh, but with the women, though, they can bring in anybody and everybody, right. which is fantastic, yep. which I will be... I'll be honest, I'll, I'll probably not watch most of the U.S. men's Olympic Games. I just probably won't. I'm going to be more interested to see how the women do just because I know I'm going to see a high-level quality soccer match being played, no matter who they play. Speaking of high-quality soccer matches, we talked about this. We teased at the beginning of the show that yes. every week we're going to have our NWSL spotlight. Absolutely. So we're going to move into talking about the NWSL now and kind of not necessarily give a season preview, but... Baxter, you were you really wanted to discuss some of the uh, highlighted games that we should look to this season. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I mean, in the month of April, just to begin with, uh, there's some marquee matchups that you're going to want to keep an eye on. Uh, the Seattle Reign, anytime that they take the field, obviously they're going to have uh, a big following. Uh, but aside from them, though, the big game that I think everyone's got circled on their calendars is April 17th, the Portland Thorns and the Orlando Pride. Alex Morgan, the newest, the biggest and brightest, shiniest thing for the Orlando Pride now takes her new team back to her old team, and they get to take each other on at Providence Park. It'll be an electrifying match that I feel a lot of folks are not going to want to miss. Right after that, though, the following week, you have FC Kansas City hosting the Portland Thorns as well. Yeah, you know, uh, Kansas City and Seattle were the two going at it in the uh, championship last year. Second season in a row. And Kansas City... Second season in a row. <laughs> I sense a trend. That's right. The trifecta much, maybe this much year. Much to the dismay of our good friend Chris Blake. Yes, unfortunately. Uh, maybe one day, Chris. Kansas Seattle City might lift, actually do something. <laughs> lift the uh, Commissioner Cup again. Yes, that um, they can't hold on to. Because they have to give it back. Right. That's the yeah, league shield. The lo- uh, league office holds yes. on to that. But uh, I mean, aside from that, though, any time uh, a Houston, or not a Houston, I'm sorry, a Seattle and a Portland matchup anytime, regardless if it's MLS or if it's NWSL, gets heated. Those teams love to play each other, but they, quote-unquote, hate each other right, as well. Right. So it makes for good soccer. But don't ever turn a blind eye this season to the Chicago Red Stars as well, a team just down the road from us. We hope to get down to a few of those games this year. They finished second in the table last year. I know that they were 10 points removed from first place just because that's just how good Seattle was right. last year. But Chicago is one of those teams that have so many young and talented players. And you found an interesting fact about their draft class this year, too, didn't you? Yeah, they in the fourth round, they had five picks, which wow. is the most picks ever in, in the short history of the sure. NWSL. But I think any league you look at for a team to have five picks in a single round mm-hmm. uh, is pretty incredible. That's, that's half of the picks in that round. Which, yeah, so they were not afraid to go out and uh, bring in some new young talent. And I think they've got a great front office down there. They've got a great organization. And they're certainly going to to push, I think, any possible team. I mean, it's a bit of a blow for FC Kansas City. They trade for Sydney LaRue. And then she, unfortunately, well, fortunately, but unfortunately, has to take the season off and the Olympics off because her and her husband, Dom Dwyer, are expecting a baby. So that's very exciting for them. Maybe not as exciting if you're an FC Kansas City fan because right. you would hope to see you know both the Dwyers playing at the same time, and we're really excited to see what she could bring to the team. Can they repeat? And then I, I don't remember for sure. I could be wrong, but I think Amy Rodriguez is out too. With is that being, right? Being, I didn't hear being that. Being pregnant, I could be wrong. I could be wrong, so don't quote me on that. But I thought there was somebody else big for FC Kansas City that was out either with a pregnancy or something else. But either way, though, FC Kansas City, a fantastic organization. We'll see what Western New York Flash does this year. We'll see what Sky Blue does this year. Houston Dash, their only claim to fame right now, is Carly Lloyd on their team. Will she be enough? Possibly, but still too early to tell, honestly. And uh, in a more general sense, I just want to say that I love the fact that NWSL, unlike its predecessor, the WSA, who wanted nothing to do with MLS, I love the fact that NWSL is all about leaning on MLS and actually... For example, the Orlando Pride, being an expansion team of NWSL, yep. 
owned by the same people that own Orlando City Soccer yes. Club in MLS. And uh, I got to say, I, I love the name Pride so that you see the two are related. Obviously, uh, Orlando City having the lion in their yep. logo, and now you have the Pride for the women's team. Exactly. And it's beautiful royal purple as well. I think that uh, it adds a whole nother. And it's very respectful to, it. to women as well. You know, it's not like Orlando City Soccer Club women's team. Exactly. It is Orlando Pride. It's its own entity. Which I think is great. And I, even though you hear about that with certain, you know, organizations at times trying to do the knockoffs or whatever but no this is their own entity they are you know they've got some fantastic ladies already on their team uh caitlin kyle one of the young up-and-comers for the canadian national team is on the team as well alex morgan as we mentioned and they've got a whole host of other ladies on the team as well so i'll be curious to see what uh orlando can do this season as well with alex yeah. morgan at the helm for them it's only 10 teams in the league they have yep there are um, 10 so teams when you're a league that small your expansion teams can do damage we saw that with the chicago fire in 1996 yep. lifting uh, mls cup that year absolutely um, so we shall see what happens with the orlando pride they got a strong team it's going to be an exciting season in wsl we're looking forward to it as as we mentioned as more news uh, occurs throughout the year we'll be talking about it uh, every week here on to up front. We're going to go to one more break. When we come back, we're going to chat briefly about the madness that has been the MLS transfer season and also the MLS Champions League. Simon wants to make fun of me for something that I <laughs> tweeted out earlier today, so I'm sure he's going to do a great job of doing that. We'll be right back with more on Two Up Front right after this. Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Provan. All right, Simon, we've had a great show so far. Reminder for all of you that if you enjoy listening to Two Up Front, you can find us right here on Sports Radio America from 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time by going to sportsradioamerica.com or tunein.com and searching for Sports Radio America or on the TuneIn app as well. You can also get us on demand on Spreaker.com, iTunes, and also on iHeartRadio as well. All right, Simon, our final segment, our I Believes, our everything else that we want to try to pack into these last couple of minutes that we've got going on. Where do we, where do we even start, honestly? Why don't we start with uh, some of the more uh, delicious MLS transactions Ooh, that have happened. delicious. Okay. <laughs> what do you consider as a delicious MLS transaction? The bigger story ones. You okay. know, for example, Harry Ship going off to yes. Montreal from Chicago. Being shipped off. Uh, you had an update about Jermaine Jones with the New England Revolution. What's there to update, Simon? He, the, it's as you mentioned off here. It's like a, a a girl that's being pursued by a boy, and the and the boy's like, you know what? I don't I don't want to date you. And the girl's like, well, that's fine. I didn't I didn't want you to date me anyway. Because Jermaine Jones said, oh, I don't want to play for the Revolution, and the Revolution are saying, we don't want you to play for us. So. Go away. Nobody wants you on the team, basically. Yeah, it's an interesting case. You know, it, it makes sense to actually bring him back into the fold since the uh, DP that they did sign went Got down. Hurt, yeah. Right. He's, he's down. He's out for the season, basically. Yeah. Um, so, But Jermaine Jones apparently just keeps asking for a ton of money. Nope. Don't do it. Which not worth it. Which leads to the latest rumor, actually. Oh. So we've heard for a long time that Colorado has been pursuing 
Tim Howard. Yes. Uh, Tim Howard, look, I'm an Everton follower. I have no problem with him being benched over at Everton. Yep. Uh, Robles came in when Howard was injured and basically has been playing a lot better. He's been keeping that back four. Much more organized. Uh, he had a bad Howard had a bad relationship with the fans. Mm-hmm. So we've been hearing that it's quite possible he's going to be heading over to Colorado. Well, it came out that he's been asking basically for $5 million a year. <laughs> and he wants a four-year contract. So nope. he's looking for a $20 million contract for don't, over four years. Don't do it. Uh, it I, doesn't make any sense. No, not at, not at this point. Not with the way Tim Howard has been playing. No, yes, Colorado, he's a big name. I don't I don't know if he'd be a big draw in Colorado, though, as a goalkeeper. No, no, in Colorado, I mean, they traded for Zach McMath, the former Philadelphia Union goalkeeper, back on December 11th. So they've got a fairly competent goalkeeper already that could probably end up being the starter this year. I mean... They've gone out. They've done a little bit of stuff this, this off season. They've gone out. They got Marco Papa from Seattle. They got Zach Pfeiffer. They've gotten Connor Doyle, Eric Miller. So they've gotten some good guys in. They've also have lost a ton of players as well. So I understand wanting to bring in. They they, they traded Clint Irwin to Toronto. So I understand that the possibly the need is there, but to the same accord. Tim Howard's not worth that much money. No, I would never I, pay I that much money you. for him. I agree with you. It is interesting that we have an off season which Colorado and Toronto FC both made some smart moves this year. They've been busy, but it's been a good busy. You, right. you normally think that, um, as we mentioned uh, just in conversations that we've had off the air too, Toronto hasn't spent millions of dollars to bring in that big signing. They haven't brought in a Giovinco. They haven't brought in a whoever else, Michael Bradley, Josie Altidore. But the four people they brought in are very smart. They are smart. Yeah, you got Drew Moore and Will Johnson coming in. Huge. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of Will Johnson, but I can't deny that that he plays good ball in the middle of the field there. He Uh, with Bradley will be a good pairing, and I think that would also be something that U.S. men's national team fans are going to be like, if the partnership works out, they'll be like, well, shoot, why didn't we cap-tie him? Because he plays for Canada That's right. That's right. Uh, And Drew Moore, uh, you know, not the best of players, but he's good, he's and a but big defender. you get that veteran leadership with exactly. him. And, and he, I will say, he's an underrated player. He is. You know, he finally made the All Star team last year. Yes, I it was last so, year. Yeah. Um, so it was interesting to see him be one of the first free agents. By the way, leaving Colorado, mm-hmm. signing with Toronto FC. Uh, that's a smart move. And then, as you just mentioned, Clint Irwin yep. in goal. Yep. And then Stephen Bateshore as well will also be joining uh, from Vancouver as well. So they got two quality veteran defenders to add to that Toronto backline, which I think kind of been the nail on the side for Toronto as well, as they didn't have a strong and dynamic defense. So these players should help. I feel like we'd be uh, remiss if we didn't talk briefly about everything that the Galaxy have done because they have been bringing in a laundry list of quote-unquote household names this offseason. Yes, they have. Uh, I'm not sold that this Galaxy team is going to be what a lot of people are making it out to be. It looks uh, great on paper. It, it sure does, and I could be wrong. Maybe this is the year I'm wrong, because last year I thought, wow, this is going to be a powerful team. And, they should and, have, yeah. and to be fair, they started out quite powerful. They did. You know, there was, the, there was that run in the middle of the season where both you and I thought, you know what, just hand them the MLS Cup Honestly, right now. yeah. Um, so this year we'll see. They've got uh, 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 Von Damme in there now. Uh, leg breaker, as I like to refer to him, <laughs> yeah. Nigel De Jong, uh, Ashley Cole. I gotta say, I am totally against that signing mm-hmm. of Ashley Cole. And Cole has tried to backtrack on what he meant when he said, uh, "I'm not ready to go over to MLS and have a uh, vacation on the beach." Mm. Well, there's no way you can 
talk you yourself out of that. No, you so can't it's do that. it's disappointing for me to see the league be okay with the Galaxy signing a player who is so disparaging of the league. Yep. You know, it does it does this league no service whatsoever. I completely agree. In trying yes. to shed this retirement image. Exactly. And that's one of the things um as we'll hear in an interview coming up next week with one of our guests um you highlight some of that as well. Uh, it's great to see Mike McGee, though, back in L.A. I've always been a Mike McGee fan. It was a bummer that he kind of had that year and a half or two years of bad spell in Chicago after his MVP year. But it's nice to see now that he's back to from, from whence he came, basically. you know. And L.A. really helped make him a great player. So now that he's there, he has an opportunity to join a former teammate, Jeff Lorenowitz. In L.A. as well. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, uh, transitioning out of uh, the transfer season, I know there's a lot of other things we could get to, but we are running short on time. So briefly, Simon, go ahead make fun of me for what I talked about <laughs> so, this morning. So Baxter last night. Listen, I'm not going to give you a hard time for Do you saying... Want, let me see if I can find the official tweet. That sure. Way you can actually yell at me here. So accordingly. I, I'm watching the uh, Seattle and uh, Club America game last night, as well as the Quatera and D.C. United games, and I thought, you know, I was disappointed in Seattle and, and how their their uh, back four decided not to mark Peralta, you know, yep. only the best striker on Club America's side. Yeah, uh, D.C. United, not to sound like one of the former NFL coaches, but they are who we thought they were. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, um, yeah. Um, they, they did okay, you know, considering it was in Mexico, but listen, this this whole idea of of preseason being the excuse for why these teams can't mark somebody. I get that your shape of your back four, your shape of your entire squad may be a little bit loose right now mm-hmm. because it is preseason, but it is it is so sophomoric not to mark the best striker on the team. You have to know. Why would that you not? That doesn't him. make any sense that you wouldn't. So you can see that I was really getting into these games yeah, last absolutely. night. And I was tweeting about them all night long. And then I wake up this morning and I see <laughs> Baxter saying, I'll be honest, the CONCACAF Champions League games really don't appeal to me. I just have a hard time <laughs> getting into the games. Granted, <laughs> granted, this was like 2 or 3 a.m. when so, I was uh, here, at my here overnight thinking, producer. Here working. I am thinking, we're, we're about to relaunch a show and Baxter saying, yeah, these are games that I don't really care for. Which I, <laughs> I think it makes a good arg- a different standpoint what? from it, though. Let, let me finish my point, Please. though. And then it hit me. Baxter can't get into the games just like the Revolution can't oh. get into the Champions League. Oh. See, this is the thing, and it's, it has nothing to do with the Revolution. Absolutely nothing, because number one, the Revolution would do awful in the Champions League. They can't even win MLS Cup any time because number one, they don't have the depth. Number two, they don't have the speed. And number three, they don't have forwards that can finish and their defense is shaky. Anyway, <laughs> so you take all four of those things. I, I, would, I don't want them in the Champions League because they would be embarrassed. I would rather DC United get embarrassed. I would rather Montreal try to live up, whatever. New England doesn't belong this. That has nothing to do at all with the Revolution <laughs> being in there, honestly. It, it just For me, I don't know what exactly it is. It's something about these games that anytime I hear that, oh, there's a, a CONCACAF Champions League game I'm on, I'm just like, eh. Do you think it has something to do with you watch the UEFA Champions League. It's the best soccer in the world, mm-hmm. and it's Champions League. I mean, it is and Champions League. Maybe, maybe and, it has to do with the name. Yes, that could be one part of it. I also feel like it has something to do with it almost always seems like the tournament is rigged towards the Mexican clubs. Well, and that's one thing. It's very easy to, to say that because of of how the Mexican teams have dominated mm-hmm. it. But it is partially schedule. You know, yeah, it's, absolutely. It's, MLS has chosen to have their schedule where it is. Uh, the rest of the region, for the most part, 
follows more of a typical worldwide schedule. Absolutely. You know? yeah. So I wouldn't say it's rigged. It's it's MLS's decision to have its schedule where it's at. Now, we are I believe this coming year they're looking at flipping the tournament around. So Which would be nice. So yeah. if, but so if that happens, then you got to say, well, now it favors the MLS teams mm-hmm. because of their schedule. Well, yes and no. I mean, because of the scheduling, but I mean, like I said, I just I have a hard time for some reason. When the, anytime I see the games are on, I'm just like, well, I'd rather watch, you know, maybe Love It or List it's on HDTV or maybe Pretty Little Liars is on or something. I don't know, whatever my wife has on the TV. But okay. either okay. way, though, for some reason, I, I, I love watching soccer. Don't get me wrong about that, saying, well, he obviously doesn't enjoy good soccer. Well, yes and no, but... For some reason, though, MLS versus Liga MX clubs in this setting, I just have a hard time because I just don't ever feel like it's a good product of soccer to watch. Yeah, I got you. So there you have it, is that the revolution can't make it in and his wife's watching something different on TV. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's always on, like, Fox Soccer, like, 83 anyway. Well, that's the thing. This year, they're actually putting them on FS1. I know, which is crazy. I still don't get FS1 because I am cheap. But either way... (laughs) Well, tonight, for those of you who are interested in the games, now, if you do have Fox Sports 2, there is a game on on Fox Sports 2. It's uh, Tigris and Real Salt Lake at 7 o'clock Central. But the other game tonight is uh, LA Galaxy taking on Santos Laguna. That is on Fox Sports 1. That is at 9 o'clock Central. We'll see who LA brings to that game if Bruce Arena actually cares or not. All right, Simon. it's quarterfinals. I think he will. Sorry, I cut. Oh, you is off it quarterfinals? Finally, yeah, it's quarterfinals. Oh, wow. that so, and along. that's why you're seeing these. You got starters in these games. Or that far along, finally? Yeah. Wow. Huh. See, that's what happens. I don't pay attention. All of a sudden, next thing I know, the final is going to be tomorrow or something. I don't know. All right, right, Simon. We are almost at the end of our show, which means we are at our segment now. It is our I Believe segment here on Two Up Front, and both Simon and I offer a I Believe statement about something that we believe will happen in the soccer world or that we would like to happen. So I got to start 50-50, Simon, so I feel like you get to start sure. the I Believe segment. Well, I'm going to keep the uh, CONCACAF Champions League talk going here. Uh, last night, the league did itself no favors. D.C. United losing 2-0. Uh, Seattle, yes, they drew with Club America 2-2, but that was in Seattle, which means Club America has those two away goals. Yeah. We see the two games tonight with LA Galaxy and Real Salt Lake. Return legs next week. My overall point here is not just based off of last night, but... MLS fans, including myself, are really hopeful that MLS could take advantage of this tournament and actually perhaps get a couple of teams in the mm-hmm. final. So we're guaranteed, the MLS is guaranteed a spot in the Club World Cup. But I believe that's not going to happen. I believe that a Mexican team not only will win this, but I believe that every single MLS team will not make it out of the quarterfinals. Ooh, interesting. Okay. I, I, I mean, the Galaxy, I'm curious to see this new Galaxy. Though. I am too. And I, out, of the, out, of these, out of the teams that are here, mm-hmm. now I would have actually picked... Uh, Seattle with the way if mm-hmm. if they could have continued to dominate like they were in that game, I could have easily picked Seattle. But if if one team makes it out, I believe it's LA Galaxy. Okay, fair enough. And for my I believe segment, uh, I'm going to go back to our U.S. Women's National Team talk, and I'm going to go right now and say I believe that the U.S. Women will win gold at the Summer Olympics. So I feel like they've got just a ridiculously good team. I don't know if Megan Rapinoe will be back or not in time, but honestly, it doesn't even matter at this point. They've got such a great team. They've got so many young and talented players, and even young or even veteran players as well that are even young. That this, I'd be shocked if they don't get to the final match, and if they don't win the gold, okay. I mean, I'll be a little sad, but I, I really do believe that they will win the gold medal this year. I can't argue with that. You know, I'm sure we'll see a tough team in Brazil, tough team in Germany as well. But it's hard not to see the U.S. lifting that gold. 
I was going to say gold trophy. I know. Receiving the gold medals. Exactly. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of Two Up Front presented by Sports Radio America. I've been Baxter Colburn. He's been Simon Provan. Remember, you can get us on Fridays from 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern time on sportsradioamerica.com and on TuneIn. You can get us on demand anytime on Spreaker.com, on iTunes, and on iHeartRadio. And Simon, quickly, where are we on social media? Facebook, we are Two Up Front. On Twitter, we are at Two Up Front Soccer. He's at Baxter Colburn. I am at Simon Provan. All right. He is Simon Provan. I'm Baxter Colburn. Thank you so much for listening to our inaugural edition. We'll see you next week on another edition of Two Up Front with our manager being the one above. We are Two Up Front. Whether you're having a not-moving-off-the-couch-while-you-watch-the-game kind of day or a no-time-between-conference-calls kind of day, it can still be a delicious Dunkin' kind of day. And with Dunkin' now available on DoorDash, it's easier than ever to get your faves brought right to your door. So if you're looking for coffees, donuts, and breakfast sandwiches in the morning, craving some afternoon snack and bacon, or in need of Dunkin' refreshers for a PM pick-me-up, we've got you covered. Order now and get your faves brought to your door through Grubhub, Uber Eats, and DoorDash. Price and participation may vary. Exclusions apply. America runs on Dunkin'. The sweet aromas of the apple fritter, cinnamon roll, and blueberry muffin are hard to resist. So making it the rest of the way home without reaching in your McDonald's bag is no easy task. But nothing worth doing is easy. Wake up and pair any one of these sweet, fluffy, frittery bakery treats with a McCafe iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. ba 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 ba